Hello, welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today we are talking about Melodrama by Lord, released in 2017 under Universal Music Group. And my guest is no one. It's just me, me, myself, and I. I am alone in my condo recording this episode for the third time. Um, but I must say, I've actually, this was the first one I was actually super excited for because now I've done two of these solo episodes, so they don't seem so scary. And it is all worth it. You know, um, I would obviously love to have a guest in my home with me uh, chatting, talking about music, getting drunk. That's what the podcast is all about. But um, it's more important right now that we're safe so that we're all flattening the curve, keeping our social distancing intact to make sure that we slow down the spread of COVID-19. So if that's what uh, it's going to take to get this fucking virus over with, then that's what we're going to do. So prepare for a whole lot of Kiara. I must say, though, um, normally I would use this time to talk to my guests, uh, maybe introduce them a little bit to you if they hadn't been on the podcast before, talk about how I met them and all of that. Um, and since it's just me, I thought it might be kind of cool to just talk about some of the amazing things that have actually come out of this social isolation period. So as shitty as the circumstances might seem, we've all been sitting in our houses. We've been working from home. It's been tough. Like, I don't think anybody's like thriving in this uh, this this particular time but from a music standpoint like I have been so surprised with artists releasing new material um, artists have been getting so creative even in their own homes recording covers or recording originals and you know doing all of the video production quote unquote themselves um, or recording stuff on their phones BBC Re Radio 1 does uh, a live lounge series where people will cover songs and they did a great one that was um, Times Like These by the Foo Fighters and they had all of these different artists kind of like call in their own uh, um, sample of the song from home and it was so fantastic um, I've particularly been enjoying Machine Gun Kelly um, I'm not usually a fan of his but he's been posting some really interesting covers the most recent one he did was Love on the Brain by Rihanna but he did it in like his weird trashy punk pop rap way um, but it was actually not bad he also sampled a song by the band Paris called My House and he used it to do kind of like a freestyle called In These Walls which I really enjoyed he's done a cover of Champagne Supernova with Youngblood which I thought was super interesting Misery Business by Paramore he did that with Travis Barker he's been posting some really interesting covers but I've also just been happy to see people you know like Marcus Mumford kind of come back on the map and he released that uh, You'll Never Walk Alone cover I actually thought the Global Citizen One World Together at home festival was really well done um, if you don't know about it it is a it was an at-home music festival basically that lady gaga worked on in partnership with global citizen and the world health organization in order to support the frontline health like the frontline healthline workers wow i have drank a little bit too much already for this today but anyways you know what i was trying to say the frontline health workers and it had guests like billy eilish it had obviously lady gaga celine dion john legend sam smith um and countless more um and so I've, I've been really pumped about that i was expecting the music industry to kind of slow down i mean the biggest impact i feel like would just be live shows and concerts we can't we can't go to concerts right now so nobody's touring everybody's basically rescheduled i was supposed to see foo fighters and the 1975 a couple weeks from now and um they've both since postponed their shows um so that's been a huge hit but then also just if you're thinking about the release of uh singles or the release of music videos those require people in the studio like people doing the actual song production and it also requires video production um people like who operate sound and who operate sound yeah people who operate sound <laughs> oh no but you you get you guys get what i'm saying like the, the i'm talking to walls here okay like give me a break it's been like what 35 days now of quarantine or something like that like you gotta you, you're gonna have to ease up on me for this one just a little bit lord she is who is lord <laughs> Who is Lord? Let's ask that question. Who is Lord? Uh, well, for starters, her real name is Ella Maria Lonnie Yellick O'Connor. 
quite a mouthful, so I do not blame her for going down to a five-character name. Um, she is a alternative pop singer-songwriter. She was born in Auckland, New Zealand, and she really started out uh, fairly young. As a teen, she performed in talent shows in New Zealand at her school, and after a friend's father recorded one of her performances with a friend and sent it to Universal, she was signed to that label in 2009. At Universal Music Group, she worked very closely with New Zealand songwriter Joel Little, and he helped her collaborate on her first EP release, which was called The Love Club in 2012. And that EP housed her one of her biggest singles to date, which was Royals, really the song that like launched her career, released on SoundCloud for free and really garnered her this insane following of uh, global fans. So now that she had an audience, Universal Music Group obviously wanted her to release a full length album. And her album Pure Heroin came out in 2013. Obviously, Royals was the first single there. And then following that was Tennis Courts, Team, Glory and Gore. This album was huge and it earned her a nod for the best pop vocal album at the Grammys that year. It did take another four years to get a sophomore effort from Lord. During the writing process, Lord was living in New York City and she was also traveling back and forth to New Zealand to see her friends and see her family. And so she described this time in her life as kind of an etch-a-sketch of doodling and resetting her life, you know, going from the crazy summer heat of New York um, back to the New Zealand winter and having that contrast and really just, again, kind of uh, doodling and erasing and doodling and erasing and resetting herself as a 19 20 year old woman she also wrote the album after breaking up with her longtime boyfriend james Lowe, and it is a commentary on the insane highs and lows of uh having an intense relationship having that relationship suddenly end and in general just being in your 20s but lord has also said that following this big breakup this was an album really about being alone so i thought what better time to talk about an album about being all alone than in quarantine. Let's talk about what we're drinking today. We're drinking a French 75, which is maybe the fanciest cocktail I have made. It is the first cocktail I've made in 20 episodes that requires a champagne flute. The reason why I chose a French 75 is because Lord has a song on that this album called The Louvre. And The Louvre is obviously one of the most well-known museums in the world, home of the Mona Lisa. So uh, I felt like French 75 really fit with the whole, you know, Paris Louvre kind of vibe that I was going for today. And it is quite delicious. If you want to make one at home for yourself, you will need one ounce of gin, two ounces of champagne or sparkling wine, half an ounce of lemon juice, two dashes of simple syrup. Combine all of that in the shaker. Well, okay, not the champagne. Don't shake the champagne. Combine everything else but the champagne in a shaker, strain it into a champagne flute, and then top it up with your champagne. And you can also be fancy. You can also listen to Lord and maybe cry a little bit and drink a French 75. I mean, this seems like a perfectly normal thing to do in quarantine when we cannot go to bars or restaurants or concerts at this time i just end up crying most days to be honest with you that's a joke don't take that seriously we're fine everybody's fine we're good I have definitely noticed that the more nervous I get doing these solo pods, uh, I tend to talk way too fast and then I just like down my drink really quickly. So I'm trying to pace myself today and I apologize in advance if I do start talking really quickly. I promise I don't uh, I don't mean it and uh, I promise that the production value of the pod will once again spike once I have guests in here to calm me down. Um, before we get into some of the specifics of the record, I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about how I started listening to Lord. Um, for me, I have a very vivid 
memory actually of being in Pizza Pizza after a night out with some of my friends. Um, I was home for the summer from university and I was with my high school friends. And I think what I really resonated with, uh, particularly in researching this album and her talking about this whole, again, quote unquote, etch-a-sketch period of her life where she was um, living in New York, writing the album with Jack Antonoff. And then she was going back to New Zealand. When you're in, in school, you're kind of in that weird halfway period too, right? Especially if you go to school far away. So I went to school in Kingston, which was three hours away from my home in Oakville. So in the summers or at Christmas time, it's kind of like you have your two worlds that end up colliding, right? Like you leave your school friends, and you go back home and you see your high school friends again, and then you leave your high school friends and you go back and you see your school friends. Um, so I found that really cool. And I really connected with it when I was researching this album. But even before melodrama, if we're talking about pure heroin in 2013, I was in my like, I don't know, first, second year university. And I was at happened to be at Pizza Pizza after one of our uh, one of our wild nights in Oakville. Um, and uh, it was a friend of mine, my friend Ryan, and he pulled it up on his phone and he showed me the song Royals. And he was like, yeah, this girl's only like 15, 16 years old. I was like, damn, she's really good. And she's really fearless, too. Um, I really liken Lord to the meteoric rise that someone like Billie Eilish has had. So if you guys remember when Billie Eilish first like exploded onto the scene, which has only been in the last what, like year and a half when she really like gained that insane popularity and that insane following, like she was somebody who knew exactly who she was. She wasn't afraid to be spooky and also kind of weird. And she also didn't fit like that typical pop mold and we we have kind of strayed I think as an industry away from you know the Britneys and the Jessica Simpsons and the Christina Aguilera's like that's that's not really the vibe that people want anymore people want something that's a little bit more true but I think it was somebody like Lord who came out and was different from you know like Camilla Cabello different from Katy Perry different from Taylor Swift like she again she knew exactly who she was but who she was wasn't what the industry was necessarily demanding at that time and yet she was able to connect with all of us and really break through and for me I'm a huge huge David Bowie fan so I remember reading how um, when David Bowie met her he was like so just intrigued by her and he told her that listening to her music was like listening to the future um, and I thought that was even more special when after David Bowie died in 2016 Lord performed at the Brits um, she sang Life on Mars which is like such an amazing Bowie song please check it out if you don't know it but she sang that song as a tribute to him so I thought that was really cool that this person who he identified as the future of music was now um, saying goodbye to him um, and him himself he he, he was the future of music. You know what I mean? Like David Bowie came out as somebody different every time he released a new album and nobody knew what he was going to do next. And I definitely feel that same way about Lord. And I do definitely feel that same way about somebody like Billie Eilish. I, I didn't follow her career, I would say, super closely. Again, I heard Royals. I probably listened to Pure Heroin all the way through maybe once or twice. Um, but I like the songs like I like Tennis Courts. I like Royals. And as much as I like those songs, like they were singles and I never really invested the time in really um, diving into who Lord was. But there was something different about the Melodrama album. I think I downloaded it off Apple music on like a, a whim or something like that I was just like oh new lord album is out I'd heard the single which was green light and I really liked it so I was like I wonder what this is going to be and it completely blew me away because I use the word spooky because um I like spooky music I think that's being a little bit more different and being a little bit more daring so she still was able to maintain that part of her that was kind of weird and a little bit like left of center but she made it into this like arena electro pop thing and it just got it got like my heart like like pounding it was just so 
it was fun, but it was rooted in sadness. I really do think that with this melodrama album, Lord was successfully able to distract us in such a way that made us want to dance and made us smile and made us want to have fun and like flip our hair around and everything. But at the same time, she created something that was very raw and emotional. Um, and I'm really happy that I got back. I, I went to go back and listen to this um, for the pod and really dive in because it revealed a lot more of that um, sad side and of the heartbreaking side of what she was going through at the time. And um, I really appreciate it. So why don't we just start going into it, guys? Let's just do it. So I think I'm going to start things off by talking about the song, The Louvre. Obviously, it is the reason why we're drinking French 75s today. It is definitely my favorite song on the record. We've already talked about this in the intro, but the song is called The Louvre, alluding to the Louvre Museum in Paris. Um, and so I think when she's when she was writing the song, she was looking back on memories, um, looking back on good times, the bad times, um, ones that were worthy of being admired in a museum, worthy of being hung, hung up in a museum and having a ton of people go and, and visit them on a daily basis. I do think it's interesting how she pulled all these different ideas of her memories being in a museum, especially because of the fact that she went through this really tough breakup with somebody who she had been with for a long time. And so she's looking back on her memories, which are now in the museum of her own head. And I think she, there's a line in the song where she says, um, they'll hang us in the Louvre down the back, but who cares? It's still the Louvre. So even if, even if you're in the back of the Louvre, even if you're at the bottom floor where like the place where nobody goes, it's like, everybody's going to go see the Mona Lisa and you're like some small painting shoved in the corner. That's like collecting dust. You're still in the Louvre. Those are still memories that deserve to be acknowledged. And there's still feelings that deserve to be acknowledged. Um, so again, it really is a credit to her insane songwriting and, and her ability to convey uh, emotion through metaphor, which I think is a very, very difficult thing to do because some people just take metaphors. It's like, you know, like when Rihanna came out with Umbrella and people were like, oh yeah, like you share your umbrella. It's like, no, that's not what the song is about. Okay. It's about being there for somebody through tough times. The other aspect of this whole museum metaphor that I really like is when you're in a museum, you can't just go and rip things off the wall and take them home. The reason they're in a museum is for us to appreciate from a distance, you know, acknowledge that they were a part of time at, uh, at a certain point in time. And we're like, yep, okay, Mona Lisa, Leonardo da Vinci, got it, did a cool job, love it, respect him, amazing artist, I'm going to be on my way now. And I think it works the same with some of these memories too, right? Especially if you have gone through a tough breakup or maybe if it's you fall in, um, your relationship with one of your friends has kind of fallen off. Sometimes it is too painful, I think, to take those memories off the wall. You just kind of want to leave them there, be able to go back to them and visit, but you can't just take them with you anymore. There, there does come a time where you have to leave them in the museum, pay your admission, you see it, you walk away and you go get a croissant. Do you notice I said croissant? <laughs> because French, French 75. My favorite part of this song is uh, near the end of the chorus. Um, and she's describing, you know, when you when you're with somebody that you really love and you kind of have that like butterflies or you can't really breathe. And she says megaphone to my chest, broadcast the boom, 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 boom and make them all dance to it. And then the beat just like comes in and it just goes so hard. Great song. Huge song. Highly recommend it. It wasn't a single. So if you haven't heard it, please go on Spotify right now. Please go on Apple Music right now. Listen to the Louvre. Great tune. So the next song I want to talk about is the big single off the album, which is Green Light. And before we get into the details of the song itself, something that I wanted to mention, which I kind of forgot to uh, build into her artist history, is that Lord has something called synesthesia. Essentially, people who experience synesthesia, it means that certain um, experiences that you would only have through one sense is then experienced simultaneously through another sense. So particularly with Lord, she has said that music and words uh, for 
form textures and colors in her mind. And she's described the process in working on this album as seeing these very vibrant blues and greens and violet colors. And I think that also translated itself into the artwork for the album. If you look at the album cover, it's kind of like a, a portrait of Lord, but it's done with these like such bold colors. It's really beautiful. And I think that that plays a huge role in the song Green Light. The song is very intense and it's very, when I listen to it, I, I again, I get that kind of blood pumping, heart pounding sensation when I listen to it because there's so many things going on where I feel the the kind of sadness and pain that she's experiencing in the moment of the song, but I also feel like the liberation and I feel the, the excitement and that kind of like being nervous about not knowing what's coming next and wanting the green light to move forward with with your life and and kind of um and kind of go for it and you know grab the bull by the horn so to speak the first time that i heard green light it was because i was watching the music video i believe the single and the music video came out simultaneously and i was first of all i was like wait this is lord like it sounds like lord she's got a very distinct voice but this is like a dancey electro pop jam like this isn't like royals where it was kind of that minimalistic vibe like she really just like she did not come to play with this song not at all um so unexpected after again the kind of like hazy spookiness that was pure heroin like this was this is a fucking bop and i think she she is able to add some humor to this song too essentially lord had gone through her breakup with james Lowe. in the song she's speaking about how maybe he's found somebody else and so she's waiting for the opportunity to move on she's waiting for the green light to like start her life again and have this have her life back and there's a great line in the song where she says like she thinks you love the beach you're such a damn liar and those great whites they have big teeth hope they bite you that's funny because it's just such this stupid little thing where when you first start meeting somebody so if she's observing her ex-boyfriend you know with his new girlfriend and they're in that kind of beginning stage of relationship you're not really 100% yourself with that person yet you're still probably making up little white lies like oh yeah I love the beach or like I love to travel or like yes I will definitely come and watch you play golf and so she's kind of making fun of the fact that maybe you know maybe this woman that he's now seeing was like I like going to the beach and he was like me too I love swimming with sharks so then she kind of adds on to that with the whole um those great whites they have big teeth that she comes back to it in the second verse with those rumors they have big teeth hope they bite you um so it's kind of just fun to sing along to especially if you've ever been broken up with it's an experience that just really really puts you through the woodwork I was researching this song on genius and I found a really good quote from Lord, which I think encapsulates the song really nicely she says I realize this is that drunk girl at a party dancing around crying about her ex-boyfriend who everyone thinks is a mess that's her tonight and tomorrow she starts to rebuild so the idea of somebody going through something really shitty but then being like no tonight I'm going to be a mess tonight I'm going to be a hot fucking mess you cannot stop me but tomorrow tomorrow I'm going to put jeans on, not sweatpants. I'm going to put jeans on, put makeup on. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do things. I'm going to make sure that I'm not just like sitting alone in my apartment all the time. And I think that that's kind of relatable to be honest, especially in the time of quarantine. I put jeans on for the first time today and I was like, who am I? Who is this person? It's this weird dichotomy. The whole song is a weird dichotomy of sad, intense anger, and then wanting to just like dance it all out. But I want to be sad about it. Well, let's go right into the song Sober, which is the second track following Green Light on the record. It has this really amazing opening. It's Lord singing Night, Midnight, Lose My Mind, but it's done at a really high pitch. So it sounds kind of like fake and robotic, but kind of cool. And then it just, again, similar to Green Light, it kind of builds up. She's got this really cool drum beat that accompanies her voice, and it's very like almost tribal um and i think again it, it gets my heart going like that's what that's what i keep coming back to with this album is that like i feel everything in my heart and um i don't you know i don't have synesthesia synesthesia 
synesthesia. I think that's how you say it. Too many French 75s, folks. They go down real quick. But the whole the whole aspect of this song is holding on to those nights where you kind of feel invincible, but then not really knowing what's coming next after those nights end. So she says, you know, like king and queen of the weekend, ain't no pill that can touch our rush. But what will we do when we're sober? Like it's it's her wondering about this idea of impermanence like yeah okay i'm out i'm having a great time with my friends again this is lord as like a a late teen early 20 right so you're spending a lot of time in bars you're spending a lot of time partying and you do kind of feel like nothing can touch you when you're in those moments you do kind of feel like when you're out with your friends at like a bar and you're dancing and you're having fun and you're pretty drunk or whatever you just feel like oh like i got this you get that false confidence it's it's an elixir it really just makes you feel powerful so she's wondering in this song like what do we do when we when we're sober what do we do when we wake up you know at like 11 a.m tomorrow and i have to go back to reality or you're not going to be the person that i thought you were i'm not going to be the the queen of the weekend like maybe i thought i was i'm just going to go back to being regular joe so i find that very interesting because it's a very late teens early 20s problem um when you're just all you're looking forward to is that friday afternoon when you can go home and can't wait to go get ready and go see your friends it's all about uh you know, struggling with having to go back to reality, which I, I think is is fair. But uh, in the time that we're in right now, I cannot wait to go back to reality because everything that's going on around me feels so surreal. As of right now, I cannot wait to go sit in traffic for an hour to go to my office, see my friends at my office, sit in traffic for another hour and come home. I will tell you one thing, folks. Uh, what will we do when we're sober? I will go to work. I will go back to work gladly. OK, I'm very excited to talk about the next song. I may cry, but don't worry, it's not your fault. It's only mine because I think this song is so beautiful. Um, I want to talk about the song Liability. I I won't go into any details of this story, but I have 100% cried in my car listening to the song Liability when it felt too real. The main lyric that keeps coming back in this song is Lord singing, they say you're a little much for me, you're a liability. And what she means by this is when she, you know, she became famous very, very young um, and it came very quickly. So all of a sudden, you know, she was this famous teenager as opposed to a regular teenager. And so she felt like her friends considered her a liability. And I think she actually experienced times where they would make other plans without her. There's a line in the song where she says they make other plans. Like they didn't want her around because it would cost them a piece of their own privacy to be out partying with Lord, right? Like you've got paparazzi, you've got bloggers, you've got now with social media, there's there's very little privacy that we have as regular people, let alone for somebody who's in the, in the public eye so often like Lord would be. This song was her writing about her experience, feeling like she was alone and that she really only had herself because her friends didn't want to didn't want to be around her for that reason it's it's heartbreaking it's it's a heartbreaking song um I always thought it was just about her breakup like I thought when she sings about you know they say you're a little much for me I thought it was like her her boyfriend telling her that before he broke up with her or something but no it's about her friends and I'm like if you've ever lost a friend or if you've ever gone through some some shitty times with friends and and kind of cut people out of your life intentionally or not that sucks and I've definitely had that in my life too and a part of it is just growing up right there are certain people that you maybe stop talking to or you don't live in the same city anymore you don't live in the same town anymore and you lose touch and you stop talking and um, not to say that they think you're a liability or you think that person's a liability, but it's a part of just getting older. Again, going back to going through your 20s, which are such formative times in in all of our lives, um, you start to realize who you really are and who you really want to spend your time with. Now, I do want to focus in on where she talks about 
being alone. There's a great line in the song where she says, um, so I guess I'll go home into the arms of the girl that I love, the only one I haven't screwed up. And then she says, I do my best to meet her demands, play up romance. We slow dance in the living room, but all that a stranger would see is one girl swaying alone, stroking the cheek. So she's using, you know, the idea that she'd be going home to seeing maybe a friend or whoever, a loved one, but really she's just going home to see herself. And if somebody was looking at on that situation, they'd see a girl just dancing alone in her room. And that part is very sad. Like I remember hearing that for the first time and being like, whoa, that's, that's heavy. Like I wasn't expecting her to, to, to go there. Um, but she, I don't think she necessarily meant it in a bad way. A hundred percent. Like, I think she w- was definitely sad about how she wasn't able to maybe hang out with her friends the same way that she could when she was like, you know, her in her early years in high school. And now all of a sudden a flip, a flip has switched and she's this famous person, this multi-million dollar recording artist. I think it's really a testament to her believing in herself and having a lot of faith in herself and being okay with being alone. Um, at the very end of the song, the last line is you're all going to watch me disappear into the sun. And that means she's always going to have herself. There's going to be people, my friend Carrie, episode five, she came in on episode five and did an amazing job talking about Blink-182's Enema of the State. She always says that people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I think the sooner that you realize that, again, something that happens as you um, become more of an adult, not that I'm an adult, but as I've become more of an adult, um, the sooner that you realize that and the sooner that you can accept that, okay, maybe these people aren't meant to be a part of my life anymore. Maybe I don't get to hang out with my friends in the same way that I would, but I'm going to accept that and move on because I'm okay with who I am and I'm comfortable with who I am. That's huge. And that takes a lot of guts. And I really admire Lord for being so young. Like she's only 23 right now. So when she was writing this record, like she was only, or this record came out and she was 20. She was writing it when she was like, you know, between 18 and 19. So it's amazing how mature she was, um, how ahead of her time I think she was. And I think we, it's a lesson that we can all learn from her as well. Let's talk about Supercut. Um, it's funny. This was a song I kind of forgot about until I went back and listened to the record, but the words came like screaming back to me right away. I was like, holy shit, this song is so amazing. So I kind of wanted to save it uh, for near the end of the pod because the idea of your memories and playing them back as a supercut of your life. I think that's such a cool comparison because it's so true. And I am so guilty of doing that. Sometimes I think we go back and if we're thinking about a particular person or maybe it could be multiple people or a particular time in our life, you do have this like editor's cut version of everything that happened with this person, with this set of people at this particular location, whatever it might be. And I think we go back in our heads and we substantiate those memories with things that we maybe wanted to do or wanted to say in those moments, but never actually did. She says in the song, she's like, in my head, in my head, I did everything right. You can go back and you can reflect on those times and you can create this, this supercut, this montage of these great times with this person. But are they actually all real memories? I don't really know. At the end of the day though, guys, the song, it fucking slams. This song is so great. It's so much fun to dance to, but it also just really gets you thinking if Farrah was here, she would be like, this song fucking slaps Kiara. And I'd be like, you are hundred percent right Farah. shout out to Farah. miss you i love the idea of it me myself i'm a daydreamer so i can totally relate to this the, the big question that comes out of this song for me is like okay so if you're assessing this montage of your life what's left on the cutting room floor you know like what did you leave out and why did you leave that out and that's a big philosophical question so we're not gonna unpack all of that today but me being a dreamer I just like to focus in on the parts that I really liked on the the supercut of us that was good and um, and was positive and not try and dwell too much on the memories that make me sad. There is a really great moment in this last verse where all the sound production just fades out and it's just a, a rough cut of uh, 
Lord singing and she's like she's singing the main part of the song but uh, I'm assuming it was probably just recorded in the studio with Jack in New York and they didn't put any kind of additional um, flourish on it I think it showed a huge side of her being vulnerable being very raw and being very open with us to have this kind of unedited sample in her own song that is about edited versions of your life and edited montages of people that you love or may have loved so there really is only one song on this record and I I really feel bad saying that it's not my favorite because I don't hate it by any means but it's kind of more of a neutral for me it's one that doesn't pack the same kind of punch as the rest of the record in my opinion and that would be hard feeling slash loveless it, it's fine it's not anything earth shattering in my opinion whereas I felt like the rest of the record really got my heart racing and I struggle because this song has a moment uh, kind of near the bridge area where um all these kind of like mechanical weird noises come in and I struggle with samples like that because it takes me out of the music zone when it starts to sound like a machine I'm like is my laundry machine going is my dishwasher on the fritz is my refrigerator running like what's happening in this song right now and it makes it uncomfortable I found listening it listening to it in headphones it was like harsh really sounds like metal scraping almost like nails on a chalkboard like it was just really uncomfortable um and as much as I love her voice and as much as I love her songwriting it just again it takes me out of the experience of the total album um so it's definitely just not one for me and I don't like it when artists create songs that are two songs in one and then have like a minute silence in between like I think try and transition it right away if you can because otherwise I'm going to get confused and I'm going to skip the song because I'm going to think it's over and then I'm going to look down at my phone and be like wait a minute why are there four minutes left in the song what's happening is something broken I really like how somebody like Chance the Rapper did it so when he did um Paranoia slash pusher man i think it was we talked about it on the pod episode nine my friend tashar miss you tashar shout out it was a really smooth transition into from uh pusher man into paranoia where like you sense that the song was now different but you were like oh okay this could have just been like a changed track and maybe i didn't know but the song was was all together in one and as much as like i like a good hidden song it wasn't so much hidden for me as it was kind of just like okay like like speed it up like i get it you you have a hidden track in here but like i want to get to it like take a couple seconds of silence if you need it or just transition right away don't leave me hanging for like a minute and a half while i wait for the next song to show up within the same track you know what i mean again me grasping at straws lord if you're listening i love you and i still respect you so much and this was just me being super nitpicky and i'm sorry and we've reached the rating period i have been enjoying my french 75s and man they are good they are delicious if you like gin and you like champagne and you like lemons go and make yourself a french 75 it's quarantine what else are you going to do today realistically where do you have to go where you can't have a french 75 unless you're driving unless you're driving but we have reached the critical point in the podcast which is where i need to rate this album melodrama by lord i think before i offer up my rating i will say i was surprised at how much i enjoyed this album now like in this particularly strange point in time during quarantine i definitely came to appreciate it more even just learning about lord and her synesthesia like i saw that really come through in this record where i felt things that were just beyond the listening experience knowing that she sees she assigns these colors to these feelings and she really has a way of conveying that to the listener even if you don't have synesthesia and you you don't feel things in colors or textures or forms this was a way for her to one-up herself after something as big as Royals, which I think was a really hard job to do. I think she was incredibly honest. Um, she was very brave because she mixed it with something that was more pop and um, 
maybe a little bit more mainstream, but it doesn't like, it like doesn't feel like it's too mainstream. It doesn't feel too cookie cutter pop. It still feels like spooky Lord. I'm going to give this record a four and a half out of five. I think I could listen to it almost every day for the rest of my life. And I could be pretty content with it. Um, there's a couple tracks on there that I maybe skip now and then, but I'm really, really happy that I got to go back and listen to it today. And I really got to appreciate it more being a little bit older and understanding things that she understood at the age of 19 that I still haven't been able to comprehend. So as a musician, as a songwriter, as an artist, I've got nothing but respect for what's her name again? Ella Maria Lonnie Yellick O'Connor, I think is her name. I can't wait for what she puts out next because I think it's going to be amazing. As always, thank you guys so much for sticking with me through quarantine. Um, I hope you're all staying safe and you're staying very healthy. If you liked what you heard on the pod, please go and give us a rating. Um, it really helps me out. And if there are albums that you want to hear us review on the pod, please send us a suggestion, leave a comment and make sure to listen on Apple, Spotify and SoundCloud. <laughs> and SoundCloud. Everybody stay home, stay safe, and talk soon.